right here with three very special guests today. And I see a Tony and Eric are both laughing here. Chick is laughing. Um, so it's a special episode today because I have on uh, my brother Tony Reco, who was actually on last week. I was filling in for Tyler. And then Tyler's brother, Eric Shankles, who is also a guest today. And then a special wise man, Eric Hoff, a good buddy who I just took back home with me to Western uh, New York and met Tony and the family. So I thought uh, I would have him on to talk as well and kind of uh, conversate with us. So, hey, Eric, introduce yourself, buddy. Which Eric? Thank you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Shankles, sorry. Oh, oh, hey, what's up? My name is Eric. Uh, I'm Tyler's younger brother by about half a decade, give or take about 10 days. Yep. Um, I mean, what else do you want me to say? I, I was uh, wrestling in Alabama. Um, I was a four-time state champ in Alabama. And then following that, I went and moved up to Edinburgh. That's where I met Sam and Tony. Me and Tony were practice partners for, you know, the first couple of years until I kind of fell off the train for a little bit. And then Tony quit, and then I hopped on. So that's kind of how that went. But um, I didn't quit. I graduated. No, no. I <laughs> quit, graduated with the same difference, right? Um, but anyway, so, yeah, then I wrestled at Edinburgh for a few years, got two degrees, and now I'm just sitting at home waiting on uh, jobs. So that's uh, What did you major in at Edinburgh? Um, I was, uh, so my first degree was in sports and recreation administration. Um, and then my second degree was health and PE, uh, teaching certificate. So pretty much anything in, uh, sports realm, I kind of got you. I got you on that. Yeah, that's for sure. So, uh, Tony, uh, talked about himself last week, but I'll, uh, let him go over some simple stuff again and, you know, introduce himself quickly. Um, yeah, uh, I met Eric, um, in Edinburgh, pretty much first day wrestled together. I really, dude, I was going to tell that story, man. We actually met the very first day and I remember yeah. wrestling you and Andrew North, somebody who was on the team at the time and yeah. we get my butt kicked and texting my dad and being like, man, two kids from New York just <laughs> all practice. <laughs> yeah. And that was, um, pretty much the start of it. And then we pretty much hung out almost every day. For the past five years ish, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, kind of want our uh, followers and our viewers and our future guests to know, like that. Uh, basically, uh, uh, me and Tyler started this podcast through me meeting Eric and like Tony meeting Eric at college, and it's and it's just crazy, uh, like how life just uh, finds a way to like meet new people and like start new adventures. But uh, yeah, it's a pretty uh, cool experience to yeah, actually not have met Tyler yet, but have started this, so sorry Eric. It's coming, it's coming here in the next month or so. <laughs> Me and Tony definitely take credit for the, the start of the podcast. That's, I mean, 100%. Yeah. Work, yeah. Work for us. Grab some of the royalties. <laughs> pretty, pretty much we started it. <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, Eric Hoff introduced it himself quick and hey this guy's a smart man so Eric yeah um Eric Hopp from Lincoln Illinois uh met Sammy last year when he moved to coach at Lincoln College um we hit it off and became really good friends and as he mentioned I just went back and met the family in western New York had a great time uh met Tony um now excited to be here on the podcast 
and uh, you attended college at where? So two years at Lincoln College, uh, played baseball both years, and then transferred to Millican University in Decatur, Illinois. Uh, played semester there uh, before I hung the cleats up and started focusing on school. Yeah, so I think that uh, having us five on uh, for this podcast, it was honestly a good idea. Like, just because all five of us have a very similar uh, background in education and athletics and so on and so forth. And I thought, like, uh, having a conversation uh, like the five of us uh, just flowing well. And I like that. Yeah. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, you think – me and Tony have what known each other for five years. Me and Tyler. I mean, he known me for like since you were born. <laughs> years. Yeah. Before you were born. <laughs> yeah, I think at some point I've lived with everybody except the other Eric. So. Yeah. Hey, I mean, that's pretty much. So before I forget, a great song by Slipknot. Um, before I forget, I just want to say this: that Eric actually has uh some songs on Apple Music and Spotify, like. He's a good artist in the music industry, and I uh, want Eric to like just uh, go over like how that came to be, how he's so successful, and if there's maybe a future in doing it stuff. Um. Okay. So I think I actually started songwriting in 2015 between going to Edinburgh and, and graduating from Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Um. It started off, my dad bought me a $100 microphone and a $100 program called Mixcraft. And it's like the worst program you could get for music. Like it's, I mean, I won't say this, it's really easy to learn, but it's, it's like not good. It's definitely not industry standard. And uh, so I started songwriting, I was terrible. I would send it out to everybody and they would laugh behind, like, I know they would laugh at me, it was just terrible. It probably still is not great, but, so I, I started, I kept at it. And um, you know, a few years down the road, I started making some music that, that kind of started gaining some traction, at least in Edinburgh. Um, and then eventually it kind of put me on some big stages. You know, I've opened up for a few big names, you know, in, in music, such as like T-Pain and, and I've performed in front of, you know, 3000 people at one time. I think a lot of it is, it just came from me really being determined. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily musically gifted or like really talented and, and a lot of songwriting it comes from just repetition and doing a hundred times. You know, I probably have, man, I'd say 300 songs in my phone that'll never be heard by anybody, you know? And I, I was actually listening to songs. I, I was up back from vacation and it was like a 13 hour drive. I was just listening to my own music, kind of just going through it. Um, as far as the future, I'm, I was supposed to open up for Fetty Wap at Edinburgh um, when he was going to come for their spring concert. That was kind of a big deal. And then COVID happened. So that kind of, kind of bummed me out um and I don't know about the future we'll see you know as I enter the professional realm of teaching and coaching it's, it's going to be a lot harder to do that um man, I would love to I, I think everybody should follow their dreams and their passions when it comes to like what they want to do I mean like I said I was never one that was musically talented growing up I don't know how to play an instrument you know I just learned how to songwrite and I just kept at it. And eventually, you know, I have songs with thousands of views and um, it just, it just comes from repetition and, and doing, doing it over and over, I think. I might have to, uh, to leak some of the old, the old auto-tune raps that I've still got from back in the day that you probably don't know that I've got, but I've got them. 
Might have to just put those out there. You know. I, I would really, honestly, I need to send you guys some funny stuff from when I started. I literally have it all on this laptop. Like, I have all my music pretty much on this one laptop. And man, let me tell you, those first songs, I, I, I actually get embarrassed. Like, I start getting hot and sweaty when I, like, listen to them. It's, uh-huh. like, <laughs> it's, like, it's like watching videos of you wrestling. You know, yeah. Not dude, dude, like, when you were five and you're, like, just, like doing anything. Awesome. Yeah, looking back and like watching or like me even listening like uh, uh, to myself on the podcast, I like don't like it for some reason. And I hate watching old wrestling matches. (laughs) My first performance ever. So like I've recorded all this music. I've done all this stuff. I recorded everything. My first performance ever was in front of 3000 people and I crowd surfed. You know, that doesn't happen. Like I, That's awesome. No, imagine getting on stage in front of 3,000 people not knowing how your voice is going to sound live. That's how – that was me. I was like mm-hmm. – it was like I was warming up for the state finals again. Like, that's, that's how that felt, you know? Like yeah, that. so that is a good next question uh, for you, Eric Shankles, is like uh, uh, if, like, I'm talking, like, about uh, pressure on you and stress on you, uh, which – uh, part like had the more pressure like four state finals matches or getting on stage and singing oh man um i would say my first state title is very comparable to my first time on stage um my first state title being that i wasn't you know the number one seed going in i wasn't necessarily the favorite going in um i had had a lot of close matches with a lot of people and then you take that and compare it to opening up for T-Pain in front of 3,000 people. And most of these people are your friends. Man, it's like, uh, it's very nerve wracking, right? Luckily, I had a really good support system around me at the time. And I was able to, in both scenarios, really. But I think I was more prepared for the wrestling state title. But I think it was more nerve wracking because I had a lot of expectations in wrestling. Whereas in music, in music, if I fail in front of 3,000 people, those 3,000 people think I suck, and then I just move on. I just, keep just hang up the mic. <laughs> yeah, I just drop off the stage. I mean, that's really, you know, as far as wrestling, when you're a freshman and you're, you know, 13, 14 years old, and you're, you're wrestling in front of thousands of people, and it's a little more nerve-wracking, especially when you have somebody like Tyler that's already went ahead of you and won a couple, and, and then your team, you know, wins state titles every year. There's just a lot of built-up expectations in our program at the time, so it just – I'd say that was probably more nerve-wracking. And Tony, um, how well did did Eric sound on stage at first? Concert? I wasn't there. I didn't go. Really? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I didn't go. I don't know. I probably had something going on. See me yeah. perform like three times. Yeah, I, I went to a couple other ones um, that weren't really as big as that one. That one was probably pretty big. That was probably your biggest one, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I'd say that was probably my biggest one. Um, yeah. No, I went to a couple other ones that were pretty fun. Okay. So when I went on tour, you kind of you were had a couple of those. Yep. Uh, yeah. I also had a. They're all fun. I was fighting. Yeah. Yeah, live concerts are super fun. Yeah, I. I, I know a lot about that. <laughs> if there's 50 people or there's 10,000 people, man. You're, you're gonna have a good time, even so, if you don't. I'm gonna dive uh, right into this uh, conversation. And uh, who is the best live act that all five of us have seen live? And I was, why you got? Why you gotta do this to me, man? Hey, <laughs> who's the best live act? Band, artist, Eric Shangles. Who's the best? Or a top three, Tyler? Oh, okay, I, I'll give you a top three performance that I've ever seen. 
Metallica is up there, top three, yeah. easily. Paul McCartney. Oh. And U2. Oh, Bono. Yeah, top, I bet they were pretty good. Uh, those are my top three. Those, like, seeing those just blew me away. Like, when you've got, like, it was like 85,000 people singing Hey Jude out in, in, in a field, like, lighters up and everything. They had, like, people who had flown across the, the field and, like, dropped, um, like, little, like, um, LED lights down and everything. It was it was wild. It, it was probably, like, if I had to pick one, I, I'd probably say that one just because it was just, there was just so much going on, and it was such a, a moment that will never happen again anywhere ever that that would probably, probably be my, my number one. But... You two and Metallica are definitely up there nipping at the hills. Cause, I thought you were going to say Bass Nectar. I, I mean, uh, yeah. I've got so many Bass Nectar concerts that, like, th those are in their whole category, like, over here, because there's just so many of them. Yeah. Like, it's insane. Tony Hawk, how about you? Oh. Live act. Slim Pickens. The only, uh, the only live concerts I've been to, I think they've all been country. Um, FGL was really good. I think it was FGL, Brantley Gilbert, uh, maybe Luke Bryan, but uh, yeah, I I really haven't been to a whole lot. I need to. You definitely need to. You hang out with me, you'll go. <laughs> yeah, it, and Sammy. It's like all Sammy's I do. Talking me into some Metallica, so. <laughs> Tell me, how about you? What about you? Mm, I don't know. I'd say. I like Five Finger Death Punch. Probably biased for them, just because I like them a lot. Them, Metallica was good. Uh, Nickelback was actually really good. A lot of people diss Nickelback, but they had a... I'm not going to hate on Nickelback, because I like... They had a really good um, live <laughs> X. Yeah. Eric Shankles? Um, you're probably going to call me a wuss for this, but um, Maroon 5 is probably my favorite... I knew that was coming. My favorite live performance just because adam levine man he can actually sing you know and then at being an artist you have to respect that that you can actually mm -hmm. you know cut all the instruments out and actually sing and not have anything on your voice kind of thing and it and then there's me you know I, i'm just kidding no but definitely maroon five for sure for sure i'll give you i'll give you another one since he's talking about people who like sound good live yeah the weekend really? says just like he does on the albums, can hit all the high notes, everything. Just like it sounds the exact same. It even it's even better. So yeah, there's you another one. Wow. Uh, you know what? I can see the weekend and uh, Adam singing like live because they both like have actual good voices. Oh yeah. But my top three now. This is where it gets tricky because I've probably been to over fifty concerts. I'm gonna give my honorable mention to Ed Sheeran. And I saw him live at Heinz, no, not Heinz Field, is it PNC Park, like Pirates Stadium? Mm -hmm. So I saw him live there with an ex-girlfriend. Um, he was great live, but my top three, Corn. And I, I, will, I will never forget Corn because I was stuck in a mosh pit like a Tony and just seeing the like, whole crowd just in sync with each other, like nodding their heads, it was <laughs> It was epic. Uh, number two, Slipknot. Um, I have never, now I have been to like over, oh, well, 
50 or some concerts, and I have never seen so many people at Slipknot. And yeah. ask Tony, right? It was, yeah, honestly, we got stuck in traffic. Like, we were probably half a mile from getting in in our cars, like, just to park in it, I don't know, over probably close to two hours. Oh, oh, I got, I got oh, dude, it was so bad. <laughs> and like, like, you know, me like thinking Slipknot, hey, you know, if like me and Tony leave like an hour or two early, like, like yeah. obviously I like am probably going to make it there and I'll be good. But man, I like, I have never seen so many people at a concert. So that's number two. Number one, Metallica. Uh, hearing one just start live and, and for whom the bell tolls was just an experience I will never forget. But yeah, those are. Oh, honorable mention for me would be G-Eazy. I just remember that. He, he used a live drummer. He's a rapper. He used a live drummer. And I think that was, that was really cool to see because not a lot of people do that anymore. And that was, that was something cool. He also drums? No, no, no. He didn't play him himself. He just had a drummer on, on stage with him. It was also like him, Logic, and um, YG, uh, all this concert in Ohio, so. and Kanye West. I forgot Kanye West. I mean, Kanye West is probably the best performer. I was ever. about to say because we saw the same year when he was on the Life of Pablo tour. Yeah. I saw him first, and then you saw him. Are you gonna? That's are you voting for Kanye twenty twenty? A floating yes. No, I'm not voting for Kanye twenty twenty. <laughs> I will. I will not be voting for Kanye twenty twenty. He'd have to give me. He'd have to give me a really good reason. Like he'll pay for my personal flight to. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. Aaron stand silent over here in the corner. That's that's a conversation for a completely different podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, I I told Tyler too. Uh, oh uh, man! Before this all started, no politics. Nope. Uh, nothing about gods, and you know, uh, stay, stay away from politics and religion. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> politics and. Oh man, I thought that's what I signed up for. I know, right? <laughs> you, you guys came to the wrong episode then. <laughs> Next door. I thought we came to argue. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> later on in the <laughs> There has been many, 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 many light nights of me and Eric arguing. <laughs> I can believe it. You know, and Eric loves to argue. <laughs> so and do number, I. And number one, I like to argue. Number two, I think a lot of people, especially in today's age, not d d diving into the politics of it, uh, people don't, when they don't agree with something, they instantly just turn their back from it, right? And I think allowing, and I think that's why me and Tony are so close, allowing somebody from the opposite end of your views, you know, to hear them out, respect their decisions, and, and kind of, if you, even if you don't agree with it at the basic level, to kind of turn around and be like, I hear what you're saying, I still don't agree with it, but I understand where you're coming from. And I think that would, it would benefit the country a lot more in general, but uh, mostly just friendships. And I think that's why me and Tony are best friends. Man, we argued till late, I'd say 100 times, 200 times, I really don't know. It, it didn't was, matter what it was over. It could have been over it, board games. But it wasn't ever. And the thing is, we never got mad enough to where we, like, actually yeah. disliked each other, right? We would be sure. heated, but we wouldn't be, like, heated to a point where we're going to, like, be like, nah, I hate you. I'm never talking to you again. <laughs> it, was always, it was always constructive arguments, I'd say. And actually, I was just talking to Eric Hopp about this, so hopefully uh, uh, he can also chime in here. But... I, and, and I don't want to talk too much on it, but like, I, I'm a bit tired of the social media banter uh, hating on a certain side. Because like, I don't favor this side or that side, but listen, it is nice 
to be open to both sides and like listen and like not hate and like just find peace and like love both sides or like just I just get so frustrated with it and I'm happy that uh Eric Shankles uh just said that because I feel the same way that because like listen I am listening to Joe Biden and Donald Trump and Kanye because I and Kanye I've been listening to Kanye recently I heard his I just want to hear what he has to say <laughs> I just want to know like is he like, researching <laughs> Dude, I heard he's he didn't he didn't even make the deadlines for like all the paperwork. Yeah, for uh, all the big stuff. Hey, yeah. his his first couple album, late registration, great classic album, Kanye. So you never know, maybe he'll get in. <laughs> and like and like Eric Shankle said, you know, there's a constructive way to do it, and to where everyone can still you know be on the same playing field without you know all the hate flying around. And another thing that plays into that too is social media, right? And there's there's a disconnect between our culture right now and in social media where you can say anything you want behind a wall right you can say anything you want you can post whatever you want and it doesn't even have to be you it could be a, a facade right you can make a, a, a fake account and so a lot of divisiveness is coming from social media itself you know and I think there's a lot of benefits to it but that that would be probably one of the negative sides to it is just how divisive it can be and, and it's very like you said it's very frustrating to see especially when you you lean down the middle, right? Like you can be open to both sides. It is very frustrating to see, you know, somebody attacking this person or somebody attacking that person for certain beliefs. And it, you know, like I said, you just gotta be open. You just gotta be open-minded. And that's what we call social engineering. That's how they use it as a tactic. All right, history major, calm down. <laughs> I know a lot of systems, man. So uh, next, I uh, want to talk to Eric Tony and Eric about how they got into athletics and like you know like for Eric and Tony, uh, Eric and Tony like uh, uh, how did y'all start wrestling uh, you know just in for Eric Hop, uh, how did you start baseball and like uh, you know uh, what made the three of you fall in love with your sport and keep pursuing it in like past high school and into college and I'll start with Tony. Uh, probably just the competitiveness in doing anything, really. I'd say we, we got uh, pushed into wrestling more than any other sport. Plus, uh, as in football, we, our school didn't have a football anyway. And it's tough to get into these other sports when you're, you know, five, five, 90 pounds at entering your freshman year of high school. Like, what other sport can I do? I can't be a middle linebacker. I can't hit a home run out of the park. Well, yeah, in Pee Wee. (laughs) You know, there's not too many things you can really do. Um, But when you, when weight classes are implemented and stuff, and you can compete at your weight and your, and then wrestling, I had a lot of success, youth, middle school, high school, and then college kind of downhill. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much um, how we got into it. Just competing and doing everything, a lot of repetitions of wrestling, and you just get good at it. And then once you had success at the high school level, I don't know. For me, I just like competing personally, like in anything. Like if I'm on the golf course or if I'm playing Eric in Access in Our Lives or Catan or Call of Duty. <laughs> then I want to compete and be good. And that's just where it comes from, probably. Yeah, that was a pretty good answer. And, you know, uh, conversation that I could go off into. But uh, I'll ask Eric Hop next uh, how he got 
into the sport of baseball? Yeah, so I actually, I didn't start playing baseball until I think it was the summer before sixth grade. Um, so I was quite older whenever I started. Um, it started out as a, uh, a dream, just like many other kids, um, turned into a hobby. And then ultimately, that was kind of my um, ticket into uh, college. And um, it was great. I loved it. Um, I ended up, uh, whenever I transferred uh, to Millican, I, uh, I ultimately was faced with a decision. Um, I had a lot going on with school. Um, I had to squeeze, you know, three years into, into two with transferring credits and everything. So school has taken up a lot of time. Um, I was missing practices for you know, school events, school projects. And uh, ultimately, I didn't want that to affect the team as a whole. Um, so I had to decide to kind of give it up there. Uh, but it's incredible just uh, the amount of people you meet um, and network with. And to this day, um, you know, anytime you, you travel, we just like yesterday, um, we ran into mm -hmm. somebody in a completely different state um, who is also a, a baseball family member of mine. Um, and it's just, that's, that's the biggest thing I think that uh, kind of held me in there was uh, the camaraderie and, um, you know, m meeting a bunch of different people and uh, being able to interact with pretty much anyone and everyone. Um, so long you were on the baseball field. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Eric Shankles. Um, so I started off wrestling when I was probably three or four, something like that. Uh, like I said, Tyler's five years older than me. So, you know, you gotta think he's what, eight, nine. That's kind of when he started wrestling, and then I kind of just followed in those those footsteps. And along the way, you know, you're involved in a bunch of different sports. I think I did everything except – I always tell everybody, I, I did everything except swimming, right? And I still love to swim, but I just never wanted to do it competitively. Um, you know, a lot of people don't know, I actually ran cross country. I was actually fourth in the state in cross country when I was in eighth grade and then quit just to focus on wrestling. And so I think, like Tony said, a lot of it comes from the competitiveness, right? It's like – you start to see some success when you're young and in, in something, and then you just want to keep finding that. It's, it's like what they call like chasing the dragon kind of right. And you're just like continue to chase that feeling of succeeding and winning and getting these medals and trophies and being the best that you can. And then eventually you kind of develop a love for one specific sport or you get pushed in some cases. Right. But in my, in, in my experience, you, you know, you fall in love with it. Um, you know, and there, there are ups and downs to that, right? You can fall out of love with it and then you can fall back in love with it. And, you know, there's a bunch of different things, right? But at the end of the day, I think all of us in here would agree that the main component is competition. And like Tony said, man, if I'm playing rock, paper, scissors, I want to win every single time. Mm -hmm. yeah, and I'm a sore loser. I'll go ahead and say it. I'm a big yes, sore yes. loser. <laughs> and, yeah. I've experienced that. There's been some six-hour Axis and Ally games that he's lost and stolen <laughs> out of the room. Yeah, I'll, I'll lock myself in the room. I mean, not really, but at the, yeah. at the end of the day, yeah. it just you just want to be the best in everything you can be, and that goes not just in athletics, man. It goes in everything, right? When you you want to be the best person you can be outside. You want to be the best person with the best grades in, on your team. You want to do everything right, both on and off your, you know, court, mat, field, whatever. You want to be the best. And, and a lot of out of a lot of 
people get out of touch with that aspect. They think it's all about sports, but it's definitely not right. If you're not a good person off the, you know, off whatever you're doing, it's, it's going to translate. Eventually it's going to catch up to you. You got, you got to be well-rounded for sure. I think that's why I love uh, athletics and uh, mostly wrestling, obviously, but I also love baseball. And I think uh, being in athletics and youth and middle school and high school, college, and like uh, uh, even the pros, like it just helps you in, in life. And it helps you in so much, like just uh, uh, understanding certain things and like on the court or on the wrestling mat and off the court or off the wrestling mat and just, uh, you know, really how to be a better human being. And I love just how sports focuses on that and teaches it. And I am uh, trying to uh, teach it now at my college. So, yeah. No, yeah, definitely. I'm trying to teach that to my kids. You know, I'm, I'm coaching a little bit right now, doing some private lessons and stuff. And I, and I, I just got done telling a kid, you know, today, you know, you got to keep your grades up. You got to do this and that. You got to, you got to be good everywhere in your life. If you want to be a state champion, you know, even though Alabama is not a very, what they consider a tough state to win a state title in, for us it is, right? It's like your reality is your, or your experience is your reality. So it's kind of like to these kids, that's all they know, right? But you still have to be good in everything. You know, it may not be the best in the world, but, you're, but to be the best in your state, you still have to be the best in your state and everything. And uh, actually, uh, uh, me and Tyler uh, talked about this with uh, Callan Devlin and like Hayden uh, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Like, life after sports, because some people can't hack it. And I was honestly one of them. Like, uh, post graduation and post sports, man, um, I didn't uh, quite know uh, where I was headed towards or uh, really what job I wanted or. And, you know, it was a very hard time to, like, figure that stuff out just because, like, since age four or five, I've been playing sports since age uh, 22, 23. And, like, after that, it was a struggle. But I, I found my calling in coaching college wrestling. And I'm thankful. Yeah, a lot of people don't plan for it either, right? A lot of people just don't plan ahead. They just think that sports is the end-all, be-all, and they don't look past it. And I think, you know, I think – uh, a lot of people do experience that. I mean, I'm kind of having a little bit of that. Unfortunately, COVID hitting kind of hurt my chances as far as getting the most opportunities I could. But at the same time, um, a lot of people just don't even plan, right? They just see, oh, I'm going to get a degree, and then I'm just going to – that's it. You know, so it's kind of – it does it does hurt some people in the long run for sure. I think the biggest thing on why people struggle after – athletics is honestly probably won the competition they're you know they don't have that competition feeling anymore so you kind of feel a little empty and two is the structure not many people know what it's like to go through the rigorous structured like 6 a.m 3 30 p.m workouts every single day for four years and you just like that's your purpose your one purpose is to wrestle i mean that's just wrestling i mean i know football and baseball all the other sports are like that and then after that, you're just kind of like, wow, I have free time. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I've seen it happen a lot where, you know, kids uh, give up a sport and just kind of fall off and they lose that structure. So, yeah, definitely. And I'll even say on record, I, I didn't wrestle for one of my years in college. And 
I was just kind of out there, you know? I mean, I did focus on music a little more. It was kind of in between stuff, but man, my schedule was terrible and I already don't eat well. You know, I have a Yoohoo right here. (laughs) If anybody knows me, I have like one of the worst diets ever, right? But I definitely was, I was very unhealthy. I was like, my sleep schedule was messed up. I started like missing classes, man. I just couldn't do it, right? I got a funny story. Oh God, here we go. Both Eric's here. Have the longest, uh, like, back-to-back mornings. So it'll be, like, the uh, longest uh, McDonald's uh, streak of eating at least there once a day. <laughs> Eric Hopkins, Eric Shankles, I have never seen the human being eat there back-to-back, back-to-back days, but I'm telling you, people have done it as well. Good people. I'll give you a secret, right? When I was wrestling in high school, and my dad can confirm this, before every single match, I think Tyler probably knows too, before every single match, I was underweight. So I would go to Taco Bell. I would get a five-layer burrito and a Mountain Dew, right? Every Every time. So before my state state finals, my junior year, and it was actually my fastest state tournament ever, I – Went up to my dad after weigh-ins that morning. I said, hey, can you, like, sneak out? My, our coach was, like, super strict about eating like that. And I said, hey, can you sneak out and, like, go get Taco Bell? And, <laughs> and then we went out of the venue, the Von Braun Center, and, like, ate it on the steps, then came back in. Like, it was like that. We were, like, sneaking around <laughs> the Taco Bell. Funny. Super funny. But, like, yeah, I wrestled all my state finals with a five-layer burrito in my stomach. I don't know if that's a great thing or not, but not really. Definitely not optimal for what you want to do. You got the job. I'll say that. No. No. I gave up after day 30. Okay. You did the 30-day challenge. Just for breakfast. Supersize me. Yeah, supersize me. Supersize me. Dude, I could blow that kid out of the water. <laughs> I'd like to see you do it with Taco Bell. That's tough. Competition, dude. Let me at him. All right. <laughs> Let me at him. I'll do it. <laughs> we'll have you back on in 30 days to see how much weight you've gained in your face. He'll still, I bet you he loses weight. He'll go down to like he probably would. If, if we can find somebody to pay for it, I'll do it. <laughs> That's, yeah. I feel like Joey Chestnut shoving burritos down. You my could, head. Eric, you could get sponsored by the Right Here podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Did y'all watch any of the hot dog eating competition this year? I did. I seen a little of the uh, replay. I just want to know. Like, you've got to you got to push past some kind of mental barrier to shove seventy five hot dogs Dude. in your gullet. Like that really is Duncan and just <laughs> like man. That is yeah, I agree. Now, do we consider that a sport? Because I know with, with Eric Shingles and Tony, I don't see eye to eye with with the athletic. I, I say I guess it depends on how you define. No, sport. I don't. I don't consider that a sport because you're just eating. Anyone can eat. I understand yeah. it's like I, I, I kind of go along lot, with the idea but... that a sport like you have the ability to play like offense and defense on, so that's kind of my thinking on it. Yeah, I don't know about that. Though, there's definitely a skill to eating 75 hot dogs in, in 10 minutes. I agree. Not any person can do that. Oh, that's a skill. I, yeah, that's the difference between I think a skill and a sport, or just, you know yes, I mean? it's a skill. But yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say like, it's a skill. 
but it I can is- climb down and cut a tree pretty good, but I don't think that's... <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those weird things that I don't know how to figure out how you do it, but somebody yeah, figures and they're like, wow, I'm really good at this. I'm going to keep doing it. Well, some I of the craziest things. Jalapenos in yeah, right? 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys have a comment section, but if people can comment or whatever on the, whatever you guys have, YouTube or yep. what actually a sport definition is, because I know Sammy and my roommate who was on the podcast earlier, Ryan Cook, they say golf is not a sport. And they say a bunch of things that are crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one that is controversial is gaming, like Call of Duty competitive. I personally say it is a sport. (laughs) I'll say this. I'll say this. League of Legends and all these other – I'm a gamer, for those that don't know. Like, that's what I do on Um, Man, League of Legends, they have millions and millions of followers. Their prize pool is millions and millions of dollars. I mean, yeah. even Call of Duty this year, their prize pool is $4 million. You're, you're competing for a large amount of money, and at some level, man, it's got to be a sport. Now, is, is it the most prestigious sport in the world? No, but then again, you know. Well, and, and then you think about, like, the, the amount of time that they put in to be that good. It's way, more, too. It's way more than people think. I mean, they're playing yeah. 12 hours a day name any football player that practices like, like my hand hurts thinking about that like just just carpal tunnel instantly just Sammy's shaking his head already right. yeah, Sammy's internally blowing up right now <laughs> I love it I, I've been doing it for a long time Call of Duty Madden to Rainbow Six Siege and UK um it's not a sport and I'll tell you why it's oh this is gonna get good right here <laughs> set up for this one we're already <laughs> <working. laughs> no, eric set up in his seat for this one <laughs> does it require focus coordination and being uh, uh attentive yes but if i'm thinking of a sport i'm thinking physical physical labor and like i'm trying to dominate somebody else in the that's just the wrestling world, mentality not virtually, because I think virtually. So, so, would you consider like like chess a sport? Because I, I think I chess is. But I love chess. Yeah, Eric Eric Hopp is shaking his head. Yes, I, was, I would I would say yeah because you got you're planning like so far ahead strategically like yes. you're thinking about the end game. Like, I think we're forgetting about the part, the mental part of all sports that probably trump all of the physical part. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Even in like the physical sports and like wrestling, fighting or football, mm-hmm. like the mental part is the biggest thing. See, I see. Right. I say if there's a a winner <laughs> and a loser, it's a sport. Now I don't know about that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> when, you, when you break it down, <laughs> that's not bad. Sport, like uh, we, I don't know. In pillow fight, is pillow fighting a sport? Because I beat you. I don't know, man. Like, this is a little much. Now, I'm pushing the limits a little bit on that, but uh. I think there it has to involve a, a skill, right? A specific skill, like okay, any skill. So is basketball sport? Is what? Yeah. Basketball. Yeah. I, I would say yeah. I mean, if if, if it has a has a specific skill set that some people are really good at. But Tony just said the difference between skill and sport. But if you think it's, about the people, the people you who could argue are, about this all day. Who are competing at high levels, like. They've they've increased their skill set to the point that the, even their like lowest lowest level that they're competing at, they're still above you, you know. Yeah. 
No, oh, I. It's uh, all about levels. Uh, state this that I also love gaming and love botch ball, and I'm actually going to do a chess. Fun fact for you I was the master of puppets to Tony, my uh, brother playing chess, and I taught him how to play back in high school, and I think now he might get me, and that oh, doesn't sit very well. <laughs> <laughs> it's not mine. There's no mind about it, Sam. <laughs> Eric, what? Eric Shanko. People probably don't know Axis and Allies. It's pretty much an advanced version of Risk. Dude, if I, anyone's ever played Risk before, yes. <laughs> what was the crazy streak I was on playing against you and Tyler Math? You got to put it into perspective. If you think Monopoly is a long game, triple yeah. this as far yeah, as like, triple. right? But like, it's that intricate where like you're thinking it's like a replication of World War II. Like, yeah. if you're a leader in World War II and you're moving the pieces on the board, it's like that, dude. And we not talk like <laughs> it's days. Like, it can be days. Yeah, yeah. When I tell you, Tony beat me and Tyler Bath like four or five times in a row. Dude, I lost my mind, right? Because it's like I'm wasting six hours of my time yeah. by Germany in World War Two, And like, <laughs> oh, it's so frustrating. But yeah. Moralizing. Is the dude, so to imagine in real life Germany wins. Oh, the yeah. I'm glad I wasn't. I, I, I personally cannot stand that game. Actually, <laughs> I'm somebody that doesn't have patience, and it's hard to sit on a board. But I do love Settlers of Catan, though. That's a great game. Catan is a good one. We're all going to have to get together and play Catan. Yeah, yeah, I'll mop you guys up. Oh, I don't know. I'm going to I'm gonna block myself again. <laughs> Honestly, we should stay on Zoom after Eric sets up a board. And we just <laughs> we'll just make you move the pieces. <laughs> I have not. That's pretty fun. So, I'm just saying. I'm ready for it. I'm, I want all the smoke. <laughs> so, uh, kind of uh, changing the subject matter here. I, uh, and I want all five of us on this uh, certain topic to chime in and, uh, uh, you know, just uh, talk about each person's feelings and thoughts and, you know, experiences on the matter. And I, and I want each of us to talk about a, like, certain moment in your past life that, that like, kind of changed you as a man. And, like, like with sports or in schooling or a girl maybe or like just a like positive moment that like kind of uh uh made you think to yourself hey i'm a changed man or like you know this you know really uh you know define me as the person i am and i'll start with tyler um for me i would go with when I transferred from University of Alabama in Huntsville to Cumberland. Um, so, a little backstory, I don't know if y'all remember from the very first episode. Originally, I was supposed to go to the Coast Guard Academy to wrestle. I ended up having to come back home. I got hurt. Uh, I went to UAH for a year, um, studied, uh, started out meteorology, ended up in pre-law, was kind of lost, like didn't know what I wanted to do. Knew that I wanted to get back into wrestling somehow, so reached out to Cumberland, ended up transferring up there. Uh, I would say for me, when I did that and getting into the room and seeing that, hey, I've still got it and that, you know, if I put my mind to it, I can still compete with everybody. I can work towards my goals that I want to achieve and then, you know, all of that combined and yeah, my, my career up there didn't work out the way I wanted to, you know, uh, I got hurt a lot, um, that kind of stuff, it just couldn't stay healthy, but being able to see it through and then 
get a degree and look back and say, okay, I had all I had this setback. You know, I didn't get to go to the to the school I wanted to to wrestle at, even though that's where I was recruited at. I didn't get to wrestle at state my senior year because I was hurt. You know, I lost in this in at sectionals because I got hurt that kept me from all this. Looking back on all that and then being able to look back and say, hey, you know, this is these are the trials that I went through. These whatever the just the walls I broke through the walls and I got the degree on the other side and say, you know, I've I've achieved something. That that's kind of one of the moments for me I'm like okay I I did this and I can I can do whatever I want to now so that's that's kind of my my moment I would say so a moment and honestly like a uh, uh, main part of the reason I like uh, wanted to start this podcast uh, is because like I wanted people to like feel uh, comfortable uh, talking about these kind of things and like uh and like feelings and uh, you know their past struggles and so on and so forth. But I'll let uh, Eric Hop share his special moment next. So the one that sticks out to me was it was fall season, uh, first semester at Milligan, and I remember our, our head coach uh, Brandon Townsend. I can't remember what we were doing. We were running a drill, um, and we had I think like sixty or so guys um, trying out for the team which was quite a bit for a division three um, program, or at least I thought. And uh, so, something happened. We, we stopped in the middle of a drill um, and he was you know, kind of ex- explaining something. And I just remember him saying, um, you can only fake it for so long. And immediately when he said that, it just, I don't know, it, it stuck with me. Um, and it's been something that I've always remembered um, just to, the simple fact that there's going to be, you know, a lot of guys that show up and the ones that really want to be there, um, they're, they're eventually going to, you know, sprout and, and bloom out of the rest of the pack. Um, and that's, that's something that, uh, I think is true with, with a lot of stuff, even outside of sports. Um, and that's, that's the one thing, right. When you said that, it's the one thing that popped up in my head. And that's one thing I'll, I'll always remember is, uh, you can only fake it for so long. Nice little story, Eric, Tony. Um, I'm, I've been thinking since you asked, and I don't know if I can really dim it down to one specific moment, I guess. I mean, everything that has led me up to where I'm at now, it's like you, you're learning, you know? And as long as you're learning and not dwelling, a big thing that a lot of people do is dwell on the past and your failures. I guess that would probably be the biggest thing. Honestly, with probably wrestling, I mean, that's probably that, or my last fight that I lost, I don't ever dwell on it, you know? It's just, it happened. You can't change it. If you're still, you know, if you're still looking in the past, you know what Kellen said. It was actually, or what Hayden said to Kellen. If people haven't listened to that yet, I can't remember specifically. But There's if you're looking in the uh, yeah the rearview mirror, mirror like yeah, if you're in the rearview mirror, you can't go forward. You know, you're gonna your car is gonna go off the cliff. And yeah, when Hayden said that, and like uh, uh, Tyler too. Uh, after Hayden said that, I was like, like honestly speechless, because like you know him being only uh. Uh, 22, I think, and like being uh, that young, but being so wise and like just yeah. uh, tossing mm-hmm. that boy. That was a good one. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. It's something that will uh, stick with me for a while. Yep. 
Um, yeah, that was that was pretty much it, really. Just kind of learning as you go, and even if you do make mistakes in anything, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, working like like I just said, cutting a tree down or you know, whatever, you just go and move on and just continue to do things next better. That's about yeah. it. Eric Shankles, uh, special moment at Stadium. Man, so I'm about to get real deep, and this is like kind of a struggle for me, right? And um, I've never really spoke publicly about this, you know, and I kind of like to keep this clean image, but, you know, not everything's clean, right? And um, so going into – or go, at the end of my sophomore year um, at Edinburgh University, I, I, I never – before I even say all this, growing up, like – the, the moment that made me grow up was moving 12 hours away from home, right? Moving to a completely different culture. But what, what made me a man was this little one and a half year stretch of my life. Um, so going at the end of my sophomore year, right after NCAAs, I hated wrestling. Um, I hated it. I mean, with a passion, you can ask Tony. I, I mean, me and him were partners. I absolutely hated wrestling. I didn't want to be there. I didn't love the sport anymore. I questioned it. You know, I'm sitting behind Sean Russell, a really good, you know, really great wrestler. You know, probably one of the best wrestlers I've personally gotten, been able to train with and, and be a part of his career. Um, and that was the year that he, uh, or the year that he made the round of 12 or something. And I'm sitting behind him. And and so I quit. And that was the first time in my life. It was after the season. So I kind of waited till the season was over and I quit wrestling. And I, and I, you know, at that point in my life, I hated it. And I just didn't want to be there. So the first time in my life, I quit at something and it kind of, it kind of gutted me. Right. And so I was kind of, I was really depressed at the time and going into the summer, I was stuck around Edinburgh. I was working for the university doing maintenance stuff and just various stuff. And I had a couple friends, Jensen Loria, you guys know him, Fritz Hain, Matt Dowler, Nate Hagen, all of them, they, they kind of told me like, Hey, you should come back out and wrestle. Right. So I remember walking into the, the wrestling room with the current coaches at the time and saying like, Hey, I think I might want to join back on the team. And I, and they looked at me, and they said, you can join, but if anybody's going to get cut, you're the first one to get cut. You're going to be the very first person on the team that we're going to cut. No matter what you do, you're going to be the first person that gets cut. I, and I, and I, and I walked out of there. I'm like, it's fine, whatever. I'll just work really hard, and I'll be okay. So then, I, you know, I had a great preseason. I was actually wrestling probably some of the best I've ever wrestled in my life. You know, I had a really nice break for the first time in a long time. I was feeling kind of fresh. I was doing really great in the workouts. I was finishing top four in every single run that we did. Um, and it came time at the end of preseason, we, I got pulled into a, uh, a room with four people and they told me you're off the team. So I didn't, I didn't get to wrestle. I didn't have that opportunity to wrestle my junior year. And I remember the first thing I did is, is they said we were about to do some sprints out on the track and they were like, you should still come out and run with us and stuff. And you can, you know, you can run or you can wrestle club or something. And you know, I'm a four time state champion. I'm prideful. And, you know, so I, I remember getting on my on my shoes and I went out on that track and we did I did the first sprint with them and I finished third on the sprint I walked off the track. Tony, you were probably there. I walked yeah, off I was the there. Track. Mm -hmm. I walked off the track. I finished third in the sprint. I looked at him and I just walked. I was and like, I wait, why is this kid leaving? <laughs> wait, that's a that's an epic uh, way to go out. Yeah. Finished, yeah, I finished third. I finished yeah. And um, so then I, I walked out and I was like, I'm not gonna wrestle for Edinburgh again. Um, fast forward a year later, I'm just being a bum, kind of how I said. And um, I get a call from the current head coach, Matt Hill, someone who I respect very much, probably one of the most impactful coaches I've ever been, you know, had a chance to be a part of. And it was his first year at Edinburgh. And uh, he called me and said, hey, I'd love for you to come back out. 
And um, at the time, man, I'm out of shape. I'm absolutely just like a bum on a couch, right? Eating McDonald's every day. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so then I get a chance to go back out, man. And, and I was at, before that season, I really felt like I hadn't fulfilled what I was, what I came to college to do. And during that time, I got to wrestle, you know, and start a little bit. I wrestled Oklahoma. I wrestled Nick Piccinini, Rayvon Foley, you know, all these big names. And, and I wasn't as successful, right? I was a year and a half off from being able to compete with people that I, I, I felt like I maybe could have competed with coming into it. Um, and But just getting the chance to go back and start and, and wrestle for a team. And I actually wrestled in front of the – the first match I wrestled at Macomb Fieldhouse in Edinburgh was actually in front of the former coaches that told that cut and that that cut me from the team. They happened to be there that night, and uh, that was just one of those redeeming moments where you know you just persevere and you never know what life is going to toss at you, right? So you, it just you just keep pushing and everything in life. You just yeah. keep going, even if you get cut, mm -hmm. maybe you'll get another chance. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's a pretty, pretty awesome story. Thanks for that, Eric. It's definitely – like I said, I never talk about it publicly. It's just – it's some, it's one of those things that people are like, why are you have no results for your junior year of college? Uh, <laughs> kind of didn't rest. Um, <laughs> so I guess that leads me to share my angle, uh, right? And before I do, I, uh, I want to say that I have gotten a few messages on Facebook from posts in my Facebook uh, mental health videos and the podcast stuff. And like, I have never gotten such a honor from people, just random people messaging me saying that I am uh, a very in, inspiring person uh, towards them or towards uh, certain people. And I and I love hearing that from people that I don't even know. Uh, people just uh, messaging me saying, hey man, keep on doing it because I'm going to change the world. That actually some girl said. So that's why I'm gonna uh, share this story because why not, why I'm a, uh, doing this podcast. So my sophomore year of college, very dark place. Um, my uh, ex-girlfriend uh, ended things with me. I wasn't wrestling well. I wasn't getting the uh, best grades and so on and so forth. And like, I just remember uh, sitting there in my dorm room, my second year of college, like just uh, uh, wanting to like quit and like just bail on like school and just uh, uh, drive home and call it quits and like just uh, walk out of there. But I, uh, I sat there in my dorm room and I really thought about it and how this would hurt me down the road. And, uh, and I thought some dark thoughts and I won't talk about that, but um, it changed me. And I'll tell you what changed me. And like, I have never talked about this publicly is this album by Five Finger Death Punch. Uh, it came out the fall of 2013, and a song called uh, Battleborn uh, changed my life to like see things in a different way. So now, uh, each time I like hear uh, Battleborn by, by Five Finger, like it like just uh, puts me in the positive mood and pushing forward. And you know, each time I hear it, like I just think back in that uh, Rose Hall dorm room on just feeling so you know alone and feeling so sad that uh uh nobody likes me or you know or thinking the like whole world is is uh against me when really it's not and and i think now uh looking back that you know i was uh kind of soft uh kind of a coward but uh 
you know, that is the moment that changed me is just uh, uh, telling uh, myself and thinking, listen, I am, I am not going to bail. I'm going to push through this. I'm going to finish college. And now it is all uh, worked out. And, you know, obviously I have struggled with my stutter, but, but listen, that is, that has been uh, going on for like since fifth grade. So, you know, that's like, not like a specific moment, but it's like just something that always happens, which, Hey, that's uh, who I am. And if people can't accept me for it, then Hey, don't listen in. Right. But uh, yeah, that's, that's my changing, changing moment, but a close second changing moment is probably uh, winning States with Tony in 2012. Cause I, uh, I saw him win at 99 pounds and then me coming up at a buck 20, I, I was a bit nervous and I put some pressure on me like, man. I yeah. Senior know. year, last year, last chance. Yeah. It's in my last match ever in high school, man. I put the pressure on me, but I got the dub and uh, there the was two done. state champs in the same school uh, that night and it happened uh, to be brothers. So a pretty cool moment. Oh yeah. That was yeah. awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess you, all of us kind of told some, depressing stories <laughs> no one says any positive you yeah, know there's there's some positive life-changing stories like sammy just said like the winning the state title i was gonna say i've got another one uh that was for me that was being able to to coach both eric and brennan in their mm -hmm. finals matches like that was that was really cool you know being able to coach them throughout the season see everything that they work towards and then being able to be in their corner and yeah, you know, Eric won his, but but Brennan didn't win his. So you're just riding that that roller coaster. Yeah. So, you know, it that that was another one for me. And uh, you know, I will share a few uh, positive stories that, that kind of changed me as well. And, and then let the uh, be a guest uh, chime in. So you know, the first one uh, uh, playing football actually, like maybe sixth or seventh grade, the game was tied, and like I fell on top of the world uh, after this happened. So the like game was tied, right? Uh, versus our rival school. <laughs> Three seconds to go, tie ball game, and our quarterback throws a hammer, right? And I I literally laid out in the end zone, caught it, pulled it in as time expired. And like that that moment, like just epicness of like me feeling, listen, like I'm on top of the world and and dude, it, like just an awesome moment, like like catching the game winning touchdown in like sixth or seventh grade, but uh uh, Tony washed it on the sidelines. Yep. I was young, but yeah. Nice. Yeah. And then yeah. my uh, second uh, positive moment is probably the like phone call I got from uh, Jordan, uh, Coach Bakley, saying, hey, listen, man, I want you to uh, be the uh, assistant coach at Lincoln because I, I finally did it. I finally uh, accomplished my lifelong goal because I have probably applied for over 200 colleges, and each one told me, that I need college experience to coach at college. And like uh, Jordan finally gave me the, uh, the go ahead to come here and change some life. Yeah. So that's two positive moments. Um, this, this one's kind of un unsports related, um, but <clears throat> I was traveling for a, a class. Um, we were over in Denmark and we were mingling with the locals and uh, one of the kids there had um, asked us, she said, what's it like knowing that uh, you can travel anywhere in the world, uh, being an American and be able to communicate with somebody. Um, 
and that was a that was a very big uh, life changing kind of thought. Um, and at the time, I didn't even know how to answer it. <laughs> I was I was just kind of starstruck. So it it just kind of kind of opens your eyes up to you know how lucky we are, uh, you know, being in the yeah, U.S. and true. and being able to uh, you know communicate um, with it, with anyone in the world almost. Um, yeah. I'd say one positive moment for me. Um, you know, honestly, I can I can think back on myself. I think the one of the happiest moments I've ever been. Um, was my little brother, uh, Brennan, his state semifinals match. And he came back and took the kid down like twice in the last minute. I would say, oh, and I, there's video of me like jumping up and down and going crazy. And it, you know, I had just, we were back to back weight, so I had just made it. Um, but I was more happy for him than I were for myself, just because I feel like for me, it was kind of the expectation, you know? at that point I was already three times state champs like I'm expected to go to the finals right but for him he was you know like that was he had a tough weight class that year like anybody could have really made it and he just so happened you know to come back and hit a nice fireman's carry and whatever so I feel like that was probably a pot that was probably one of the most positive moments for myself was just watching him make it at the same time as me so although we didn't have the same success as the Reco brothers. Wasn't that the match where he, he got hit with a slide by like four times in that match? No, it was an arm drag. It was a wrist drag. It'd That's right. That's right. I was just remember, like, where his nose was leaving. Stop posting on him, dude. <laughs> an outside trip. Not an inside trip. He got arm dragged to an outside, outside trip. Dude, it was inside. It's hard to do. This kid was so tall, too. It was like, what is going on? <laughs> was that the bloody nose match? Was that no, the, that was his state fight. His state finals. Was a final. He he literally used all five minutes of blood time. Uh-huh. Had to wrap his face up. It was like it, it won best match that year. It was like That's funny. It was insane. That was that was probably the craziest match I've ever coached. His finals match. Thanks for just rubbing that in. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. That you said that Eric's was your younger even brother. Close, though. <laughs> yeah, Eric, that was my that was my younger brother. So I, Tyler, Sam, you guys can probably relate having obviously younger brothers. I mean, there's just there's something about it watching your you know younger brother compete. You can almost feel it. Yeah. Um, it's like you, you I'm the only one like here. Will them to the win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm the only one here without a younger brother. You know, and honestly, the only other time I've ever felt like that, and I'll be completely honest, was when I cornered Tony for his second fight. The only other time I've gotten super nervous, like where I feel it in my gut, right? They always talk about I, – I, I got more nervous for Tony fighting MMA and Brennan wrestling in, in his state semis than I did before I walked on stage in front of 3,000 people. Yes. And, that's, and yes. it's weird, but it's because you're so connected with the person and you just want them – like like yeah. you said mm-hmm. – but man, he, well, I was probably the most motivational coach ever, though. Let's be honest, Tony. I'm, I'm <laughs> the most ever been was Tony's first fight by far. It's funny because almost threw up. Yeah, and honestly, <laughs> it's funny because I like. I guess you have two different feelings. One, pure, you know, adrenaline. Like Donald Cowboy Cerrone, he said he throws up before every fight. Like you're so nervous. Me, I honestly didn't feel a thing. Like it was the most calming. Relax. You just get in that zone where you're just it's like, all, it was awesome. It is one of the greatest feelings to get in there. Yep. But yeah, I can I can understand where you guys are coming from, because it's like not you competing. Like you you honestly have zero control of what's gonna happen. Yep. And that's probably like what it is. 
I, got, I felt that same way when Gregor fought Kevin Lee, to be honest. I, I And I don't even know Gregor that well. I've only met him like once or twice, and I still felt the same way. Just because just you know him a little bit, you know, you get that feeling like, man, like in your gut, it just it just makes you nervous. My hands start sweating. Yeah, honestly, I agree. Yeah, honestly, I get a bit uh, nervous of uh, watching uh, Yanni Russell like, uh, versus Dane just because, you know, I have uh, uh, personally uh, known Yanni and his family for like a decade now and you know each time like you know he's wrestling zane or uh, somebody tough i'm like always like a bit nervous for him but i think that's what makes a good coach too right like you think about it like why i think like sammy you're you're i've never actually seen you coach but i'm assuming you're a pretty good coach you still have the job so that's you know always a plus i think one of the things that i think one of the things that uh, makes good coaches is that you invest so much to where like you get that feeling for them right is like when when you feel nervous for somebody else, you actually care about them, right? Like you genuinely care about them to the point where you want to see them succeed. That's when you're a great coach, right? That's and why I, I like, like watching like old like Gable and the Brands brothers coaching because man, they, they just get into it to where they're like down on the mat, like doing the moves and everything. Like they yeah. they just want them to win so bad. Actually, uh, uh, Gable talked at. Uh... His college, and there are cops college, uh, back in his college day. Nice. Yeah, it was like the, I think the wrestling program at Millican had just started out. Yeah. And uh, it was before the first match, and Dan Gable came and gave a speech. I didn't know who he was, uh, but, man, after he got done talking, I was, I was ready up. to run through a bro- – yeah, I was ready to run, man. It was awesome. <laughs> he's, dude, he's got the energy. I've, I've, I met him one time – we talked about it in the last podcast um, with Hayden and, and Kellen. Went to NC State for a wrestling camp, and he was there, and he was like the main headline. And he had like just had a hip surgery, not maybe like a week or two beforehand. And he was out there doing the camp. He was beating up on high schoolers who were like really good, just just like murking them, man. It was it was insane. I was like, this dude is on a different level. Like he's, he, I don't know what it is, but he's got some kind of internal drive to where he just doesn't feel pain. He doesn't care, and he's. And you can feel it when he talks. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Matt, Matt Hill from Edinburgh, he's the same way. I'd run through a brick wall for that guy. Yeah. I only met, I only known him for a year, and I still would. I mean, two years now, I guess, but at the time. I, uh, I'm a big fan of what uh, Coach Hill is doing at Burrow. For sure. For sure. As an alum, it makes me very proud. Very proud. I think the biggest thing that separates coaches is, like, the realizing every athlete is different. You know, like, the different preparation that goes in, and I know Sammy knows this and does this. Like, each kid, you just can't be like, you know, just yell at this kid. You know, the next kid may not respond differently, or he will respond differently to that. So you just have to, mm-hmm. you know. And I know there's a few good coaches there. I know Sammy does that. With Eric during my fights, he calms me down, and I know that. Like, that's the privilege of me being able to pick a coach. And I was, you know, I don't – not that he knows, you know, much about what I'm doing out there, but it was just the yeah. mental – it was just the mental preparation of it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally sharp. Honestly, uh, coaching in the uh, wrestling room here, you know, I'm a, I am very vocal, and you know, uh, there's some kids I scream at, and they just, you know, uh, shut down, and they stop drilling hard, and they stop wrestling hard. But then there's some kids that actually get more fired up and like start running harder or like start wrestling harder. So 
Yeah, obviously, I, I, I like kind of gauge uh, how each kid acts differently and uh, so on and so forth, but yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think, um, like Tony said, I, I don't really know a whole lot about MMA, but just the relationship that me and Tony have, you know, being best friends for three, four years at that five years, you know, whatever it is, it just when I'm cage side, it just, I'm sure it, it calmed you down a little, at least a little bit. And the stuff I was saying was motivational. I think for, it was like us, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't like you were getting coached by some random guy that's not invested in what you were doing. Right. It wasn't, mm -hmm. it'd be like if I went in music, music wise, if I was working with somebody that didn't really care about my music, that was just trying to make money from me. Or if it was somebody that actually cared about what I was doing. Yeah. So, you know, this is a question for all of us. Um, uh, you know, what makes a good coach like a uh, single trait like you know you know really uh what trait makes a awesome coach effort mm. pretty much if you if as a coach you put the effort in and you are caring and you honestly the competitiveness i like when a coach is fired up and wants mm. to win and it makes you want to run through a brick wall just like the LSU coach, I forget his name right now for yeah, football. Yeah, I I don't know why, but he just seems like someone wants to run through a brick wall for him. I can't understand <laughs> yeah. what he's saying, but it definitely his you know, his external stuff seems like he's going. Yeah, as if the if you can tell the coach is putting the time and effort in, then you want to put the time and effort in. Yeah, for sure. I, I feel like you have to feel you have to make you have to be as invested as your athletes, right? Or if not more, you know, you have to be so invested that it matters to you more than it matters to them almost right and then you got to bring them with you you know if, like you said if they can make you run through a brick wall you got to be able to be able to run through the brick wall before they'll follow you through it right so yeah yeah i i, I agree with effort and i'll also add preparation um that may even tie into it but you can you can tell a big difference between um you know coaches that are prepared for the practice prepared for the game plan um and coaches that aren't and it's it's almost night and day, um, and I think that's a that's a, that's a huge part of it. And I think that also ties in with effort. I was gonna say vision kind of goes along with the preparation and stuff. But if if you've got a coach who doesn't have a vision, and you can tell he's just free willing it, you're never gonna be able to have somebody, you know, to support him to like fully be invested in what he's trying to preach because he doesn't know what he's doing. You know, you gotta have a plan. And you got to be able to, to sell that plan and make them actually buy in to what you're telling them. You know, you, you can't just feed them crap and expect something to happen from it. You got to have everything laid out, go through the process to get where you want to go. And yeah, I'll uh, talk about this too. And uh, I'll say uh, two separate things. Like, first one is honesty. Um, I don't ever uh, sugarcoat things. Uh, to my athletes, if it is, you know, on the wrestling mat or, you know, in the classroom or uh, doing outside activities like drinking or drugs, I don't uh, uh, sugarcoat things. I'm always honest, straightforward, and I really think that, you know, the like kids like that. And um, and I think it, it is the like best option is just always uh, being honest and uh, straightforward about uh, Number two is care, uh, caring for the athlete. And I think that, you know, the uh, uh, student athletes can kind of see and like uh, recognize 
you know, a like coach that cares a bit more than, uh, than maybe their past coach did. And I think they like that. And, you know, I have gotten a lot of texts this past season, like, of kids uh, just thanking me and saying uh, thank you for just uh, caring, uh, caring about me and pushing me. And, like, you know, that's the best text that I can ever get. So, yeah, I'm going to honestly caring. Yeah, I'll say I'll say this. If if nothing else, the first coaches that I had at Edinburgh, they were honest. When they told me they were cutting me, they were serious. <laughs> they were one hundred percent not lying about it. They were mm-hmm. they were one hundred percent serious. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even if it was a month, even if it was two months prior, they were they were still <laughs> set on it. They were ready. Funny. They were definitely ready. <laughs> Eric, how much fun did you have in New York this weekend? So much fun. So <laughs> much fun. When are we going back? Jeez, whenever. <laughs> Not this weekend. We got Fight Island this weekend. Yeah, Fight Island. Fight Island. Tony could come for since I'm throwing a big party. Yeah. All right, Sam, you want to hit him with the uh, the speed round? The speed round? Well, honestly, like, it wasn't many guy, but I I can think of some questions off the top of my head. Eric, pick your band. I think I'm wearing it. Hey, what? Your favorite band. Oh, ACDC, yeah, 100%. We've already talked about that, yeah. That's why I the shirt on. In terms of 80s rock music and rock music in general, in my opinion, it's ACDC. They just have too many classics. It's undeniable, right? They made themselves undeniable, and that's what – Three chords in every song. It's the same three. That's what you have to do as a – That's every band. You have to be (laughs) undeniable in what you're doing, and the way to break through is don't stop. Unfortunately, I'm stopping, so I guess I'm not taking my own advice. But, hey, don't stop. <laughs> Follow your dreams, kids. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Keep going. Don't stop. Eric Hopp, your favorite band or artist? Oh, man. Favorite band. That's a tough one. I, I really do like ACDC. Um, growing up, I always remember that was, that was what my dad always listened to. Um, and to this day, that's, that's one band that I think will never get old. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Eric on this one, ACDC. Yeah, both Eric's. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And <laughs> three, I Eric, three Eric's think a lot. Rock it for Eric's name. And I think Tony's answer is five-finger. Yep. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, next, favorite film, Eric Hopp, go. Top Gun. Ooh. Eric Shank, let's go. Saving Private Ryan. Really? Mm-hmm. For... For me, it's probably Django, and I've said that. Django is, dude. Django is like, oh man, so it's our, it's the best movie for our generation, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a question for everyone. If you could do anything in your life that you're not doing now, like what would it be? Like profession, you know what I mean? Like your profession. Like if you had one dream profession. Oh, I I would start this, and uh, one profession is that I would choose to do. Not what you're doing now either. That's excluded. Hmm. Mine's easy for me. Okay. Uh, Wanted to to be a storm chaser when I was was younger. So I'd be out trying to chase tornadoes. That's awesome. I think you could still do that. You could probably still (laughs) do that. I can still go and do it. Like all I got to do is go get my meteorology degree. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's not too far out of it. You have a chance. Yeah. Eric Shank was a now. <laughs> That's funny. I, I wouldn't think that. That's a funny one. 
<laughs> I think that's pretty obvious. I mean, if I could still make music and I could, you know, break through, I think that'd be the thing I'd be doing. Um, I want to hear a different know. one. I want to hear a different one, though. If I wasn't... Yeah, making, no music, no teaching. Yeah. If I could have a profession. Yeah. Uh, uh, gaming, probably. Gaming. I mean, that'd be, I'd probably play Call of Duty professionally if I could. Yeah. You're a cop? So I'm not doing it yet, but I am going to school for it in September. Um, architecture. Oh, nice. Nice. Wow. Um, and for me, honestly, there's two things that kind of stick out. And, and the first is a band manager. Because, you know, I like can't sing. I like can't. I'll play the drums. But I'll tell you what. I know a lot about music. And I think, obviously, the like other guests here can uh, kind of uh, know that and like, you know, say it, but, uh, yeah, I, I am a very, uh, knowledgeable in the music world and uh, probably a band manager, but number two, not really a job, but I would like to study like the old school, uh, uh, samurai culture and like just find like my piece and like, uh, being a warrior and like old, uh, uh Japanese uh, culture. Like I, I, studied, I studied, I did two classes on Japanese culture <laughs> in grad school. So Sam, you can be my band manager and that knocks two birds out with one stone. Eric, isn't that you that just said the world would be a safer place if everybody walked with a sword? Was that you? <laughs> that was uh, <laughs> my, my high school geography teacher. <laughs> yeah, he said, uh, he said the world would be a much better place if everybody still carried around a sword. <laughs> and and I believe in that. <laughs> I just find like you know, like old uh, Japanese, the old uh, uh, Spartan culture, just so fascinating. And I would yeah. love to like learn it and like uh, uh, learn uh, you know uh, how those people like were just so tough and like so focused and like just such good warriors. It's just cool. I can give you some books to read on it. Tony, what about you? <laughs> um, I have four actually. That's so. They're, they're all they're all so random. It's kind of funny. Four that I'd okay. Be I'll do. I'll go with. I'll say two of them then. Okay. One would be a, a MMA fighter, to where like I'm making good money. I'll say three actually. Another one would copy Eric and be a professional gamer. I'm talking about. And then three that I've just gotten into is if I could do it all over and start would be golf. You're yes. such a golfer now, dude. I see you golfing all the time. <laughs> I love it. Turn into the next Tiger Woods. Dude, you're Fuck young. champion. I mean, yeah, I'm young. I don't know. Maybe. You can golf your entire life. That's one of Need those. Need a coach. That's one of those not sports sports that That's you, the, you could be. They actually uh, hated and stated that his – his favorite athlete was Web Citizen. Yep. You know, like golfer that I don't even know. So yeah. uh, I was uh, kind of shocked about that. <laughs> golf is awesome. Golf is an awesome sport. That. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only problem I have with golf is that you rely on a lot of luck. And in other, other sports, it's not really as much luck as it is preparation. I don't know. That is honestly because sounds like someone who's never golfed yes. before. <laughs> Thank you, Because of the terrain. What? That means you have to you – right, Eric Hop? It's, it, it's tough. Yeah. And, and there is a there is a 
reason why the professionals are professionals. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah. I mean, well, since since uh, Tony asked us all the question, uh, uh, Shankles, how about you? You uh, want to ask the whole group a question? Who, me or Tyler? You, Eric Shankles. Oh, oh man, ask a question. Uh, what is, this is tough. What's your top, what's your favorite video game of all time? Like the, the like. I don't even know what Sam's is. Damn, go ahead. I'm gonna say the. Ah, uh, I'm gonna say or the Last of Us Two. Exactly. I, I knew. I knew. I knew Last of Us Two had to be in there. Yeah, I'm gonna say the Last of Us Two. I have never been a campaign like it, and honestly, I would play it over again. Yeah, yeah. Let me reword it. Long time. What, what's the most impactful game? So that would probably be Last of Us Two. I would say, yeah. like, not your favorite, but the most impactful game on you. Air Cop. Mario Kart. Mario Kart, yeah. <laughs> That's probably a lot of people. And Super Smash Brothers. Uh, mine, I'm going to have to go with probably either Tom Clancy Siege or PUBG. PUBG. Because okay. that's when I first started, like, competing, taking actually stuff seriously. Hey, we were good. We were good at that game. Yeah. Yeah. Our PUBG mine, setup was nice. Mine would have to be... Old school Mortal Kombat for the Sega Genesis. <laughs> for the simple fact that my dad used to beat me so bad at that game, I would cry. And actual tears. And I, I eventually avenged my losses when I got older. <laughs> and, and now I don't. I mean, I don't think he's picked up a controller since. I think I retired the man. So. That's <laughs> <funny>. <laughs> I would say mine. Um, I'm going to go with the whole series, unfortunately. Even though Call of Duty is my favorite series, the most impactful series is Halo, for sure. Halo 1, 2, and 3, and Reach are amazing. Yeah. Specifically, Halo 2 and The Flood. And The and Flood. <laughs> I remember, I'm going to tell you a funny story. There's two funny stories, actually. So, number uh -huh. one is there's this there's this campaign mission mission where it's really dark and the flood <laughs> they're chasing you around this library right the library <laughs> the only thing you have is a flashlight right <laughs> i remember me and tyler were playing co-op which is split screen for those that don't know so you're playing at the same time we were both walking down this hallway and tyler was behind me and his flashlight was on me he stops and i turn around and i look at him like what and he goes, they're on you. And one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. He goes, they're on you. And just. Start <laughs> like just wailing into him. Just pumping round after round. <laughs> was me, Brennan, and Tyler were all playing. And we're on this desert map. I don't know the name of it. Forgive me. And there's these like Humvee type things called warthogs in the game. And I was inside of a dune, and all I see is I'm like walking this way, and I turn, and I just see the bottom of a warthog, right? And I peed my pants. So that was how that went. It was, <laughs> I died so quickly. Like I turned and yelled, and he ran. Yeah, you, over. no, you didn't just yell. You screamed. You screamed. Uh, like, yeah. You like turned around as the warthog wheel is smacking you in the face, yeah. and you screamed so loud. Split screen, split screen Call of Duty and Halo has definitely changed me and Sammy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Some of the fights settled on those battlefields right there. 
Man, those were some competitive times. I will say though, PUBG with me, you, and Tyler. Oh, Matt, God, dude, that was so fun. And yeah, a lot of uh, just uh, thinking of Halo Two and uh, uh, playing against somebody else and a sword and the banshee. Freaking double needlers! That was so much fun. <laughs> Rocket jumping across the map. <laughs> Such a great game. I love the people that are going to listen to this and be like, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) How is this inspirational? And we're like, it's not. We talk about everything here. (laughs) You wrong guess for that. (laughs) And the uh, last thing I like to do with each guest is I uh, want the guests to share a inspirational message. And, you know, it can be anything. So I want all three of you like maybe uh, me and Tyler as well, to uh, take a few minutes and share a inspir- inspirational message of uh, maybe uh, something going on uh, with this country currently or just something that is uplifting. Eric Hop. <laughs> I got to lead it off. Um, I, th- I think the one thing that um, helps me um, is just the mindset of going day to day. Um, you know, taking, taking control of what you can, um, in the moment. Um, as I, I think I mentioned it earlier, you know, today's the best day yesterday's gone and tomorrow isn't here yet. Um, and today will always be the best day because that's, that's where you're at and that's what you have. Um, and you just gotta, you gotta live it to the fullest. Um, you know, don't, uh, don't wait for anything. Um, you know, if you can get it done right now, do it. Um, don't save it for later. Um, you know, you just just mark stuff off your checklist, um, and, and I think that's the that's the biggest thing for me. Tony, uh, the biggest thing I talked about mine last week, but with Eric being on the Eric Shankles being on the podcast and us hanging out is, like I said earlier, like the first thing was staying up all night and arguing. And we still stay best friends. Like nowadays, people can't have those conversations to where, you know, you have a different point of view or different anything and just yell at each other and storm off or post about them on social media. <laughs> so that would probably be my biggest thing is just listen to everybody's point of view. And then you can generate your own opinion, but keep it to yourself. Hit me with it. All right. I think. Um, your life will be determined by how many people you impact. And when you die, how will you be remembered? And you have to think about that. And I'm not saying every single impact will be positive. And that's the unfortunate reality of our life, right? The unfortunate reality is that at some point in your life, you're going to make a negative impact on one or two people. Maybe some people, it's thousands of people, right? But it's how you come back from that and how many people you can make a positive impact on. And, and specifically with my music and, and hearing people reach out to me and being like, man, this song really got me through a lot, or, you know, I really connect with this song or this and that. I think that's kind of helped me view that. And, and it also helped me kind of as a coach and, and being a future, hopefully high school coach, um, you know, how many people can you impact in your life and then look back and remember you in a positive light? You know, and like I said, not everyone's going to, not everyone's going to have, a, a great outlook on you. I'm sure there's a lot of people that, that dislike me personally, you know, for things in the past, it happens. Right. But it's, it's how you, it's how you 
move forward from that and how many people in the future can I affect, right? How many lives can I change in the future? Whether that's 10,000 athletes or whether that's 10,000 fans from music or whether it's just you five, you four, right? I mean, that's it. Your life in the end will be determined by how many people look back and when they show up at your funeral, you're going to have one person because you were hated. You're going to have a thousand people because you were loved. I mean, be a good person. It's kind of just a... That's a... Awesome message. Uh, so now I'll uh, I'll kind of uh, share my inspirational message. Um, I I think the like biggest thing that I could tell somebody uh, going on and uh, succeeding and staying positive. And I actually just posted on Facebook uh, this morning uh, after my yoga session is finding peace in like you and like because I think it is hard to go on and like. Uh, uh, stay motivated and like uh, be successful if 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 uh you know somebody doesn't personally have that peace in their self and um you know i i have that i i have found my happiness inside me and my peace inside me and i think um uh you know this country is uh kind of sad uh, right now and uh you know, there's uh, many hateful words and hateful posts on Facebook, and I and I want people to like think first, like, hey, man, uh, is this the right thing to say? Is this the right thing to do? And am I happy with me as a whole, or am I posting this because maybe I am not okay with who I am really, or at peace with who I am? And I think. Uh, that's a big thing is like finding that peace, uh, you know, you know, in you. And uh, yeah, that's my message. And thing, we're all human beings, right? At the end of the day, whether you are whatever side of the fence you're on or whatever you believe, we're all human beings, right? And, and there are some basic things that are involved when you're interacting with other beings, you know, and like you just got to, if, if you just stop for a second, take a breath and think like, if I'm sending this mes message, is it going to impact this person who I'm sending it to negatively? Or is it going to, or, or should I just not post it at all? Right. Cause sometimes not saying anything and being silent is a lot better than, than giving your opinion, you know? Yeah, and I think yeah. honestly, I'm going to try to say this in a very uh, simple way. Cause you know, uh, honestly, uh, that's how I think it's like, okay. If Eric Shankles likes, Bama football, uh, roll tide. Am I going to hate you for being a Bama fan when I'm a Buckeye fan? No. Why? Right? Or if like Tony is a fan of the Dolphins, or listen, I I am not going to hate him for it. So I mean, you know, <laughs> I just think of a very simple simple things because obviously my uh, family and friends don't hate me for having a stutter, right? But hey. So I will never hate somebody for thinking different or having a different opinion because I know I wouldn't hate you if you guys cheered for a different team or had something wrong with you, like maybe a list or a different skin tone or something wrong with you. And, and I think that's also a big thing is uh, uh, loving people for who they are and accepting people because I haven't always been accepted uh, for my stutter. And I'm happy that I finally am like with my team and my friends and my family and so on and so forth.
If you, just giving us a tour yeah, of the Alabama sure. room right now. Yeah, if Get you're just Alabama listening and you don't have video, he just he just gave us about thirty memorabilia of Alabama. <laughs> but no, you're 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 right, Sam. Yeah. It just right. it just keeps going. It just. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, to, uh, to my point, like, listen, I am I I am not going to hate you just because I don't really like Bama football. But I, I am open to learning new things and like uh, meeting new people and like hearing their side of the story and why they like that team or why they're different or why they have a different job. And I think most people in this country currently aren't having that same point of view to like, hey, maybe somebody thinks different than me and that's a good thing. That's what makes us humans succeed is like being different. Mm-hmm. And, collision and of ideas. Yeah, you don't have to be right. <sighs> Sorry. There's always going to be a right answer. You know, sometimes there's gray area, and that's okay. And that's why me and Tony get along, right? There's there's a lot of gray area. Like, there's not – if he says something that I disagree with, he's not wrong, right? Yeah. It doesn't make him wrong. But at the same time, I don't have to agree with it. But that's – that's you know, honestly, that's America. At the end of the day, that's America. We, we were built on the idea that you're free to have whatever idea you want – and not be persecuted over it, right? That's why people came here, is you can't be persecuted for your ideas. And I feel like we're kind of out of touch with that realm of things on both sides, right? On, on both sides of the spectrum, we're out of touch with that idea that, hey, he's not wrong. He just differs from what I believe in. That's okay. Yeah, honestly, like, cause you know, I like uh, think of this stuff, like, you know, if like somebody is uh, judging me uh, for my stutter or my stammer, like obviously it like doesn't make me feel good and i and i don't think that most people think about uh others feelings and i think more people should because if like somebody is like like uh for example i was always scared to like talk to teachers or coaches or like even somebody at a gas station so say i am pumping gas and i go and pay them and i'm stuttering like saying hey i am getting 20 on two and then that uh, person says something about my stutter or pick something like, like it's just hard for like me to judge somebody if they don't, if I don't know their backstory. You know, that's something that I think also has, has to change is uh, judging people. Yeah. I guess I'll um, I'll uh, I'll add yeah, a little frozen? little quote no. here that uh that I saw that they. Did we lose Sam? There he is. No, he's back, yeah. He's back. So I I saw a quote recently that um, just kind of like resonated a little bit with me. It's from Ram Dass. I don't know if y'all know anything about him, but he's got a lot of really influential quotes uh, that I think most of the listeners would like. But this one says, Together we are all on a journey called life. We are a little broken and a little shattered inside. Each of one, Each one of us is aspiring to make it to the end. None of us is de- deprived of pain here, and we have all suffered in our own ways. I think our journey is all about healing ourselves and healing each other in our own special ways. Let's just help each other put all those pieces back together and make it to the end more beautifully. Let us help each other survive. And I think that that just kind of puts everything that's been going on together in a way that, you know, let's all come together and make it to the end beautifully like you know it doesn't have to be this big big divisive thing you know yeah 
And uh, honestly, uh, two films that everybody should watch before they die. And uh, I have always said this. The first one is uh, Schindler's List. But a close number two is American History X. Why? Because, it, like, my, my favorite quote, other than, like, maybe Rocky's keep moving forward, is hate is baggage. Life's too short to be pissed off all the time. And I feel like that is the definition of what's going on, is people are just pissed off and saying things that maybe they don't even mean, but things they maybe should say. And uh, I just hope it changes soon uh, for a more positive message. Yeah, and number three is Shawshank Redemption, because it's awesome. Bingo. Get busy living or get busy dying. Amen. Yeah, uh, Tony, give me. We're getting. Tony said, "Let's wrap it up. We got. We can do this another time." I got a tree. I got a tree to cut down in early morning. <laughs> right, so, that's been about ninety minutes. I, I think maybe our longest one yet. Brian Cook. I think. I think this was close to two, wasn't it? No. No, because we like started at like eight or nine thirty, so. Oh, we didn't we didn't break the record. I thought that's what we were going for. Like, we're still recording right now. Sam hadn't done the sign off yet. No, we'll okay. have to do another fight companion here soon. Oh, I like the fight. Com- we we can't copy uh, Jojo, but White Island and like uh, talk about the fights. Uh, Good. We we should do some various topics. I think we we are pretty knowledgeable on like music, games, fighting, sports in general. Anything. Anything. Well, not, anything. I wouldn't say anything. Come on, I'd you. Say most things. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no politics, no religion. Let's just talk about sports. It's, it makes everybody. Well, happy. Hey, I am, I am down for a uh, Sunday fight campaign. Us five. Again, I don't know if you guys have comments, but viewers, comment if you would like a Sunday podcast about the fight. Oh, go to the YouTube page. Go to the YouTube comment page and comment. Everything. Oh yeah, and go, go stream my music. I need the money. Find <laughs> him uh, on Spotify, on Apple Music. Yeah, uh, our podcast has like over 300 views, so that's uh, pretty good. Be sure to be sure to like, share, and subscribe. Though we gotta keep getting the viewers up, getting yes. the likes in. Be the sure shares. to keep subscribing, keep liking, and sharing on Facebook. And I uh, uh, want to say thanks to Eric Hop for coming out uh, last second, but I wanted to do it. Um, thank you. Eric Shank for coming on. I hope you uh, seeing you on here soon. And thanks to my brother Tony for coming on and uh, doing it. So that's good. Our yep. Next guest is Nathan Tomasello. So that yeah, and that's be better than us. No, maybe. Maybe <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Thank you, and be sure to tune in right, right here. here. Right there.